L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome back to another Giants Huddle podcast, all brought to you by PSENG, energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. On this Giants Huddle podcast with Paul Dettino and John Schmelk is the one and only Greg Cosell, who's been... I don't know, the grandpappy, perhaps, of NFL films for a long time. You're kind of the elder statesman there, I think it's fair well, to say, Well, right? I, yeah, I, you know, unfortunately, I'm not the president or anything, but <laughs> I am the longest tenured employee. Are you really? I am. I finished just finished, John, my 43rd season well, at NFL Films. Awesome. That's awesome. So no one has watched more tape than this guy. You can also find them on the NFL Matchup Show, which you can find on ESPN as well. Do They do a great job. Must see TV. Uh, him uh, and, and Darius Butler and, and your crew over there just do a great job. So I appreciate it. Thank you. No, no problem. We love watching the show. You do a fantastic Fantastic job, Greg. Love to have you on. So why don't we start with some Giants okay. stuff first before we go to the draft here. Uh, big decisions coming up on Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Your thoughts on those two guys in terms of their how they did this year, rolling the Giants offense moving forward. You can take this whatever direction you want, Greg. Go right ahead. Well, let's leave the money aside because, you know, yep. again, I don't, I don't deal with that. I'm on the field yeah. stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I thought that Daniel Jones had a really solid year. I thought that... Brian Dable kind of came in and in some ways spoon-fed him. I mean, this was not an offense where they asked necessarily Daniel Jones to throw the ball a lot to drop back, you know, 40, 45 times a game. I think there was a clear sense that they wanted to take advantage of his running ability. A lot of play-action boot early in the year. Both by design and also my sense just watching the tape was they probably told Jones that if he saw an opening, take it, take Mm -hmm. off and run. And be effective doing that because you're capable of doing that. And that's that's going to be a meaningful part of our offense. And we also might not trust the offensive line to protect you for much longer than that. So go and Correct. run again. Correct. <laughs> um, you know, and then I thought as the season progressed, I thought, and it started with that first Vikings game. You know, I thought that, and again, the Vikings did not have a great pass defense, so that may have factored in as well. Understood of the century. But I, <laughs> but I thought that they felt that, hey, now Jones can be, a, we can be a little more aggressive throwing the ball. Um, I think they had a sense that those three wide receivers, while not big time studs, were at least giving them some stability and continuity at the wide receiver position. You know, Hodgins, Richie James, Slayton, they became the three guys. I forget what week it sort of, but it was, you know, as the second half of the season. Yeah, Christmas Eve. Yeah. Christmas they they kind of became the guys, and I think they felt that you know they they had a they could then have a passing game that was certainly a little more stable than it was earlier in the season, right? <clears throat> um, so 
I don't know if this would be considered bold or controversial, but if, if I had to prioritize, if, you, if they couldn't feel that both Barkley and Jones could be giants, Jones would be the guy I would sign. I, because, you know, I think Saquon Barkley is a good back. Um, I don't think he's a great back. I think he's a big playback who occasionally gives you that. But as far as let's be a sustainer in the run game, you know, where you need to grind out yards, um, there were some games where they needed to do that. And he's really not that kind of back. So to me, if I had to prioritize, if it came down to that, and like I said, I don't deal with the money. I don't know how that will play out. But I would prioritize Jones over Barkley. Now, Joe Shane mentioned to us the other day that he's got 14 offensive linemen under contract right now. When he first came into the job, he only had five. Right. And he said, you know what? They've gotten a lot better. Obviously, Neil right. Thomas at the tackles. They got Glowinski in there. Very, you know, very functional. Solid. Solid. Very functional right yeah. guard. He said, you know, we would like to have more competition, though, at left guard and center. And that will come from inside. But we would not preclude ourselves from getting somebody else for those uh, competitive spots. Sure. What is your thought about how the Giants' offensive line has come along and how much further <laughs> right. it needs to go? Um, you know, I think that it improved. You know, I think Neil continues to – he needs to continue to improve in right tackle. He had one issue coming out that showed up too often this year, and I'm, they're well aware of it. Everybody's aware of it, so mm -hmm. they're aware of it. He, he struggles at the top of his pass set on 45-degree and vertical sets. Mm -hmm. he, his balance and body control is a bit of a problem. He winds up on the ground too much. Yes, yes. He loses his balance, and that's something he needs to work on. Look, everybody knew that even coming out. The Giants are aware of that, but obviously he's their right tackle. That's not going to change. Um, you know, I think, look, ultimately you always want more competition. You want a great O-line. Um, you know, I think Jones... Jones is actually a pretty good thrower of the football. I mean, I think that's overlooked at times. Um, he's a pretty good thrower of the football. If you can get him secure, he's kind of tall in the pocket. He's kind of an upright thrower, but he throws it well. Um, I don't know what their plan is at wide receiver. Obviously, they'll get the Robinson kid back, you know, the Kentucky kid. Um, he's a certain kind of player, but they still need, you know, I don't know if they feel, you know, what they feel about Hodgins, but they need they they need some explosiveness at the wide receiver position right and if they do get that however they get it whether it's right. free or the draft what's the room for growth for daniel to continue to improve where it's not an offense where to, to quote you they have to do the spoon feeding right right it's a lot of play action some stuff is they're going to be past a lot that. of short stuff yeah. right so what does it look like when they're past that because there's better talent around him well you know look Jones is not exactly Josh Allen, but we saw with Dable, and I watched Buffalo a lot, you know, um, every week pretty much when he was there. And, you know, he had some really good intermediate and vertical pass game concepts that you didn't see a lot of with the Giants. Um, so he has that in his arsenal, and you probably see more of that. But they need more explosive plays, you know, and that comes from receiver. Look, I think you have to give a guy like Hodgins a ton of credit. I mean, here's a guy I believe was undrafted, right, or a late-round pick. I think pick. a day-three pick, yeah. Okay, yeah. But yeah. he was hurt the first years in the league. He yeah, and played. I remember right. watching him at Oregon State, you know, big kid, competitive, catches the ball. You saw the traits. You saw what he is with the Giants, and he played extremely well. Big possession receiver. Big, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and – guy who could you know you want him on your team i mean solid player but they don't really have an explosive player at wide receiver you know and that you know i mean slayton can run but he's you know we know what he is he he's not 
really, he's not a number one, he's not a number two. He's kind of a, a, a straight line vertical guy. And there's always a place for the, those guys stay in the league. But they need, look, there, there's no Jamar Chases in this draft. There's Jamar Chase. Those guys are special. But this is a draft with a lot of wide receiver depth. There's The great thing about the wide receiver class in any draft is there's all kinds of flavors. You know, there's guys who are, you know, 5'9", 180 pounds, like Zay Flowers, who I love on tape. There's guys like Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss, who's 6'3", 226, another guy I really like on tape. You know, there's all kinds of different players. You just have to decide what you want. That's why, mm -hmm. for me, it's so hard to, to make a list of receivers. Right. Because you, know, you can't compare a 5'9", 180-pound guy with a 6'3", 225-pound guy. They're not going to be deployed the same way in an offense. Okay, so then I guess let me follow up with that, Paul. <clears throat> no. Okay. How do you complement then the Hodgins and Robinson? If you're putting the offense together, Greg, what's the type of wide receiver you're looking at that they need, and who are some of the guys that fit that profile in this draft class that you like? Well, if you, if, if, if let's say, let's say for sake of conversation here on Wednesday at the combine, it is Wednesday, right? Yes, yeah. it is Wednesday. Yeah. We're I start to lose track. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> at least we got that right. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, let's say just for now that Hodgins and Robinson are going to be two of their receivers based on what happened last year. Sure. Let's say that's the case. Yeah. So Robinson is mostly going to be a slot movement guy. Okay, he's going to line up in multiple locations. He's a movement guy, a motion guy, maybe even lines up in the backfield at times. He's that guy. Hodgins is the big physical competitive, for want of a better term, as you said, John, a, a possession guy. So now you need someone who can run. You need someone who can take the top off the defense. Does he have to be a 140 target guy? Does he have to catch 90 balls? No. Um, but but he needs to be just a little more than a runner. In other words, it can't be another Darius Slayton. It needs to be a guy who's more complete. You, that, that's what you need. It's probably what they thought they were getting, and this was before Dable, before they, what they thought they were getting in Kenny Galladay. And obviously you know what happened there. We don't need to rehash that. But they need a guy, no. we need a guy that is a more complete receiver that that can, can kind of th work at all three levels effectively. They don't have that guy. You know what's interesting, Greg? <clears throat> we know the Giants uh, need some help at receiver. We know they could use some more help stopping the run on the interior of their defense. Get somebody there who could rotate with Williams and, and, uh, and um, uh, Dexter Lawrence. Who's pretty damn good, by the oh, way. Oh, he's really he's good. He's unbelievable. And we know they could use some help at inside linebacker. But yet, when you looked at this team this past year, they were so good in the red zone, defensively and offensively, and that's how they wound up making yep. the, the playoffs. So it's kind of weird in that their biggest problems were between the 20s, not inside yeah. the 20s. How would you explain that as someone oh. who watches so much film? <clears throat> yeah, that's, that's a hard thing to explain. And I'm being honest with you, Paul. I'd that's why I'm a, asking you. I'd have to do a really <laughs> deep dive, though, into just the you know, giant. I mean, that's something where you'd have to look at all the plays and see what they're running, You know, see why certain plays don't work. I mean, I, I'm just being honest. I, I can't answer that with any degree of certainty. Um, you know, the, the one thing that you'd like to see more of are explosives. They don't have a lot of explosives. Right. And, and every offense, you really need that. You really need to have explosives somewhere in your offense. You know what's weird to me, though, Greg? They were so good defensively in the red zone. And then when you hear, well, they got to do better against the run and the interior defense, you know, needs to be fortified. Usually that those two statements don't make sense. In the red zone, you usually <clears throat> right. have to be stout in there, but right. the Giants say they need that. Well, 
you know, coaches always talk, you know, they see things in a, a lot more detail than we do. Um, you know, I thought for the most part, you know, obviously Dexter Lawrence had a phenomenal year. He's, you can make the argument he was the best interior D lineman in the game. <clears throat> you know, Williams, I thought, had a solid year. Missed a little time, but he had a solid year. Um, you know, I think, look, they got to get better at linebacker. Yeah. I mean, they got, you know, they were playing. And they know it. They were playing Smith, who's basically become a journeyman, and he was literally playing every snap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you need to be better than that, you know. So that's an area they clearly need to be better at. And, uh, you know, I don't know how they prioritize the position. A lot of teams don't. You know, personally, I think that's a mistake, but that's just my opinion. You know, others could disagree with that, and that's fine. Um, but, you know, they've got to be better at linebacker for sure. All right, here's a follow-up, and this is this might be too much in the weeds for you too, Greg, and if it is, I apologize. We can go to another question. <coughs> I was actually really, maybe surprise is the wrong word. I'll use the word impressed. You know, Wink Martindale still yep. blitzed a lot this year. Yep. Top of the league in blitz rate and all this stuff. But unlike when things fell apart for him at the end of his tenure in Baltimore, right? We all remember that Bengal Burrow game where he threw for six touchdowns and was right. throwing a beep. And with his style and, the, frankly, the lack of quarterbacks after George Jackson— the Giants' defense did not give up a lot of explosive plays down the field this year. How the heck did he do that, keeping <laughs> such a high blitz rate, yet not allowing those explosive plays without top cornerbacks? <clears throat> yeah. Because it seems kind of impossible. Well, it's funny because he made a big adjustment late in the season. The last four or five weeks, they were they were a heavy man team. And then the last four or five weeks, they changed dramatically. Yeah, they did, absolutely. Yes. started playing a ton more zone. Especially yeah. against the Vikings in yeah. those two yep. games, yes. for sure. And yep. again, only he could tell you. I can't tell you why. Of course. I just know that's what the tape showed. Yeah. Right? But clearly he did that. Um, you know, I thought he mixed and matched in the secondary an awful lot. The Giants were one of those teams that was tough for me to watch on defense because I kept saying, okay, who's playing corner? Who's playing in the slot? Who's playing, you know, because <laughs> oh, they started. Oh, they have seven safeties on the field on this. Yeah, play. I mean, okay. they had games where they played games with seven DBs with 20, you know, 22, 25 snaps yeah. with seven DBs, which right. is unheard of in the league. Yeah, they used right. Landon Collins and Tony Jefferson as linebackers. Yeah, and, right. and, and McLeod crazy. became a huge part of what mm-hmm. they did, playing yeah. both outside in the slot. I mean, guys, you, you know, who are it would be considered journeymen. You know, and, and he was able to mix and match right. really effectively. Right. And again, I, John, I can't tell you why they didn't go, uh, so other than they didn't, you know, I mean, but, but just people might not be aware because they think of Wink Martindale blitz man to man over the last four or five, six weeks. Yeah. He still blitzed, but he wasn't playing anywhere near the same amount of man coverage. 100% right. I got to ask you about the corners, <clears throat> though, because uh, Flott, who was hurt for some of the year, Really seemed to impress the coaching I staff like and the fir- and the front office. Yeah. And remember, Aaron Robinson was lost for the season because of a dreadful knee injury. Yep. And and coming in, they thought yeah. he was going to be cornerback number two. Yeah. How do you feel about those two young guys as being part of the competitive mix this year? Uh, because it's obviously going to impact whether or not they import another corner. Well, I really like both guys coming out of college. Uh, Flott, Flott was a really good player who just had a thin frame which he does. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's probably 175 pounds. But at LSU, he played both in the slot and he played outside. Um, he went outside when Stingley got hurt, but uh, you know, and he played outside for the Giants a lot. Yes. Um, I think he has outside corner traits. The question is, how do you feel about him at 175 pounds? So that's, that's a ph- philosophy thing with a coach. You know, only Martindale and I guess the DB coach, and you know, they have to figure that out. 
Robinson, I remember watching him, I believe, Central Florida he came out yep. of. He played both outside and in the slot in college, and he's a tough, physical, physical competitive kid. kid. Yeah. Like him a lot. <coughs> oh, excuse me. And I don't know how they see him. Do they see him as a slot guy? Do they see him as an outside guy? I think he can do bo or either one or both. Mm -hmm. But I think both those guys will be majorly in the mix for this year, and they'll work out through the offseason how they see them, whether they're slot guys or inside or outside guys. But I think both guys are are have starter traits, you right. know. So, you know, and I don't know how they feel about Darnay Holmes. I think he's had ups and downs, but I think he's played almost exclusively in the slot. Yes. So I don't know if if again much might depend on how they feel about uh, uh, Flot and uh, Robinson before they decide on Darnay Holmes. All right, we didn't have a chance to get to this year's draft class, which is an excuse to get you on right. the phone on Big Blue Kickoff Live later in the draft. <laughs> right, right, right. So, sorry, you're stuck now. But we will wrap with this question uh, before we say goodbye. Just throw out, in all your extensive film watching of this class, give me some of your pet cats, guys that you're like, these are great co-sell guys. I can't get enough of watching these guys on tape when I watch the draft class this year. <laughs> The popcorn guys, Greg. You know what? I, I I brought some of my notes. Let me look. And I probably yeah, brought the guys the that I that I like. I hope I did. Um, <laughs> I hope I did. Uh, let's see. Um, and by uh, the way, these and these are some of the yes. notes that you will post on Twitter sometimes, yeah. which are oh, great. Yes. It's full They're draft phenomenal. reports. Um, I, I love the tight end from Utah, Dalton Kincaid. Oh, what a route runner he is, I huh? I love that kid. Ooh, yeah, man. he's a guy I really like on tape. I did him last summer, and I loved him. And then I did him, I did him, you know, I've already done him this summer. I really liked him a lot. In fact, you know, at, at this moment, I have to do a little more work, but right now I don't have a weakness for him. Um, I mentioned Jonathan Mingo, a wide receiver from yes. Ole Miss. Really, really like that kid and a by lot. By the way, the way the Chiefs use Travis Kelsey, you bring Dalton Kincaid I think he could be that guy. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, right. again, um, like I said, I said the question is whether Kincaid can, can develop into a foundational receiver in an NFL pass offense in a way that parallels Travis Kelsey. And I said, I'm not suggesting that he's Kelsey right now. Because, you know, as soon as you mention a name, people think, oh, you think he's Kelsey. I'm not <laughs> saying that he's Travis Kelsey right now, you know. Yep. But, I mean, I think he, he's that kind of receiver. Um, you know, the guy who I really, really like, and everybody does, so it's not, is, is B. John Johnson, uh, Robinson. He's yep. really yeah. good. Um, let's see. Zay Flowers, I mentioned, I love him. Um, there's a whole, oh, there's a, a receiver out of Cincinnati I find really intriguing. Scott, Tyler right? Scott. Yeah, yeah. Tyler Scott, he's a, you know, Jalen Hyatt and Tyler Scott are probably going to run under 4-3. You mm -hmm. know, they're those guys, mm -hmm. and, and that's going to, you know, that'll be, that'll get people excited. But uh, but I think I think that Scott is a little more than that as a receiver. He's really intriguing. Like, to me, I don't think he'll get into the first round. But I think he's the kind of receiver, to me, that style that the Giants should be looking for. Yeah, I have not watched it. I yeah. look forward to doing yeah. that. Greg, this yeah. is awesome. we got to run. Right. All right. And Always we, good to and talk we will, to you. And we will talk to you be again well, before Greg. the draft. All right, Greg Cosell, guys. NFL Films. Thank you for joining us on the Giants on a Podcast. Brought to you by PSCNG. Energy efficiency for game time and anytime. Visit PSEG.com slash Giants for discounts, rebates, and home energy assessments. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash I heart. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? 
Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.